All right, we'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So it's after Proverbs, after Psalms, and uh, this is a very different book of the Bible. Um, You know, parts of it are, uh, I think it's difficult when you look at it, and and this one's no different, this beginning part of chapter 9, but I think if he... uh, uh, in the beginning, it might be a little confusing, but I think once we get a little further, I think uh, some things will start to make sense, or I'm hoping that way. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just thankful for God's Word. I'm glad uh, God's Word is true, and it is still true today. You know, that's the important part. Uh, you know, a lot of books were written that were good the day it was written, you know, and then it slowly started becoming out of date, and they have to update it and uh, uh, make a new edition, but I'm glad the Bible is not like that. We don't need a new edition. We don't need a rewrite. We don't need extra chapters or anything else, or or now they would uh, uh, they would take a lot of things out because they think it's offensive today, and then tomorrow they'll think more things are offensive, but I'm glad that God knew what he was doing, uh, and that's why we get into God's Word, uh, and that's the key. You know, you think about uh, you know, you think about preaching, you know, think about what the Bible says. It says, preach the word, you know, that's what, uh, that's the key. And uh, uh, that's what we try to do. So Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse one says this, for all this, I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love uh, or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices and and to him that sacrificeth not, as is the good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. Uh, this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, all also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten." Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments all be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is the portion in his life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. We'll look at this last verse. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Lord, thank you for this. Uh, for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth, Lord. I pray that you would uh, help us to dig into this passage. It's a little strange, uh, uh, but Lord, I know that the Holy Spirit will help us tonight, Lord, to hear and to learn and to listen. And Lord, help me to preach. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the truth that you've given to us, Lord. We thank you for the great news. We thank you for the answered callings, Lord, and for the protection in all things. And Lord, I pray that you would use this last part, uh, Lord, and your word to draw us closer to you and help us to more understand and in Jesus name we pray amen 
So we see, uh, we know the book was written by King Solomon. Uh, Solomon's the son of King David. And uh, the most popular word in the book of Ecclesiastes is vanity. It's repeated 37 times. It's the key word of the book. It's over and over again. And vanity means empty. It means empty or temporary uh, and unsatisfactory. And so now Solomon, they believe, is an old man at this point looking back over his life. And he is describing his lifetime. And one of the things uh, in his life is he was searching for contentment. He was searching for happiness. And the problem is he was doing it outside of the obedience of God. Now, in the beginning, he was obedient in building the temple. But after that, you don't see him walking by faith. You don't see him being obedient to God. You don't see anything like that. You just see him doing things, uh, which he describes a lot in this book. And then he's calling it vanity. He's saying it was empty and temporary and unsatisfactory. So in all of the wisdom that Solomon had, one of the problems is he didn't live by it. And that, that was one of the things. You, you can have all of the godly knowledge in your head. You can know exactly what you need to do. But Solomon proves to us that uh, if you're going to decide whether I'm going to live for the Lord or I'm going to live for this world or live for pleasures or live for self, he's telling you in this book that if you live for yourself, you live uh, outside of God's will, you live according to this world, it is vanity it is empty it is temporary uh it is and you won't find satisfaction so it's one thing to remember uh as you're looking at it but here uh we'll look at the first two verses of the chapter uh and he's saying that uh for all this i've considered in my heart even to declare this that all the righteous and the wise and the works are in the hand of god uh no man knoweth either love or hatred by All that is before them. So again, uh, King Solomon had more wisdom than anyone uh, that had ever lived. And also he was blessed beyond measure. He had material goods more abundant than anyone else that ever lived. Uh, But outside of these things, again, he really didn't live a life of obedience. Uh, And here's the thing. He worked hard. You know, he worked hard. I believe it's in chapter two. You see all the things that he accomplished. He was a hard worker, but he also chased after pleasures and he tried everything to find satisfaction, but couldn't find it. And this is why we see vanity repeated. But now again, he's considering everything that he's seen in his life and he's making this declaration. He's saying, no man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. And basically what he's saying, I believe right here is saying that you can't can't tell whether you're loved by God or whether you're hated by God. Uh, He says you can't tell which side you're on because verse 2, all things come alike to all. And then he goes on talking about the righteous and the wicked, the clean, the unclean, those that sacrifice and those that don't. And he's basically saying in the end, hey, everyone is going to live. They're going to live a similar life. Things are going to happen to everyone, whether you're wicked, whether you're moral, whether you're righteous. Uh, All of these things uh, are going to occur in your life the exact same way. And because of that, you can't tell whether God loves you. That's what he's saying. You can't tell whether God loves you uh, based on experiences in your life because everyone lives basically identical lives, whether you're saved or not. And you even get this far into this chapter and you're stopping and you're thinking, now what 
is Solomon talking about? What's he talking about here? This, this does not make sense because you can ask yourself this question. Uh, you can ask Solomon this question. Can we know if we are loved by God or hated by God? Because he says no man know it. That's what he's already said right here. But I'll tell you what, Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were loved as sinners because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But I like 1 John 3, 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. And here's the thing. Uh, again, there's no greater outpouring than God's love than sending Jesus Christ to the cross to pay for our sins. But once you trust in Jesus, once you trust in his saving power and call on his name by faith for salvation, we know the Bible says you're made a new creature in Christ, right? Uh, and not only that, you are adopted into the family of God. What are we now? Uh, we become sons of God. And, and the Bible saying right there in 1 John 3, 1, what manner of love hath the Father hath bestowed upon us? And he has adopted us into his family. Uh, and, and you look back at the Roman period of adoption. And not only that, uh, in that Roman times when you were adopted, it's more than the adoption today. Kind of the adoption today, uh, the day you're adopted from that point forward, you know, you're part of the family. But in Roman uh, days, it was different. It was like your old life is totally gone. It's as if you were always in the family. You know, you uh, suddenly you you had every bit of the inheritance. And if you had any debt, the family would be obligated with that. I mean, it was a complete ownership in the family. And that's exactly what God has done for us. When we were saved, we are now sons of God. We are completely into the family of God. And the Bible is saying, John's telling us, that is a huge amount of love. And not just that, uh, you can just see uh, that be, uh, not only are we family of God, but you can see as a saved child of God, you can see how God loves us. Can't we, can't we tell that God loves us here? Can't we tell uh, what he's blessed us with, what he's done for us in spite of what we have done for him? We can tell. So already we're starting to chip away at some of the things he's happened. But then what else does he say? He's saying all things, right? All things are, uh, what did he say? Verse 2, all things come alike to all. And then he goes through the lists of uh, both the righteous, basically, and the wicked. Everything happens. They're all common. And yes, when you when you get to the point of death, yes, uh, the wicked and the righteous die, right? We will get to that same point of death if the Lord doesn't come to take us home before that. But his wisdom isn't entirely true. And in fact, you can tell Solomon, you can say, hey, wait a second. Why don't you go back over to Proverbs, the other one you wrote, and look at Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. And here's the thing. You look at different experiences both as sinners, both as Christians. Yes, we can both go through some of the same difficulties of life. Yes, we can get some same illnesses. We can get cancer. Whether you're saved or not, we can go through pain and heartache and everything else. But the biggest difference is if you're going through cancer, you're going through some trial, this world has to rely on themselves. They have nobody to turn to but themselves, their own strength, their own bank account, their own resources 
resources. But when we go through the same trial, we have got God. We can pray. We can have one another in the church to help us through and everything else. So it seems like some of the things are the same. But I'm here to tell you uh, the way of a Christian is much easier because we have so many resources at our hand. And not only that, we have a closeness of God. He hears our prayers. Uh, He's far from the wicked, but he's near to the broken heart. I'm glad he's close to us. So let's keep going. Verse 3. He's going on. Remember, he just said the righteous and wicked are treated alike. Neither can you know the love of God. And basically life happens to the same uh, as everyone else. Verse 3, there's an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of man is full of evil and madness in the heart while they live. And after that, they all go to the dead. And this is what he's saying. He's saying that uh, this is all evil. Uh, Men are full of evil and everyone dies. And then verse 4, what's he For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. And I think it's pretty uh, basic what he's saying right here. He's just saying it's better to be alive than to be dead. And you think about that. What did Paul say? Philippians 1.12. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Solomon is saying it is better to be alive than to be dead. And Paul's saying it's better for me to be dead than to be alive. Yes, while I'm alive, I'm going to serve Christ. But it's going to be even better after we die. That's what he was saying. Verse 5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten. You don't know anything after you die. There's no reward. All memory is gone. You know, I remember Jesus himself. What was he teaching? Remember, he was teaching the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, the rich man died. He was buried. He, he lifted up. He opened his eyes in hell. And uh, he was in torment and everything else. And I think one of the most powerful uh, uh, things in that story uh, is not the torment, not that he thirsted, none of those things, but the fact that he remembered everything about his former life. His memory was there. He remembered Lazarus. He remembered his former life. He remembered who Abraham was. He remembered his brethren. And he hoped that they wouldn't come to the same place he knew all of that and that that goes to after you die your memory is not erased if you go to hell you will remember they will remember every sermon they'll remember every time that they were witness to they heard the truth and everything else and all the times they rejected jesus christ i believe will will be repeated in their mind over and over again the memory isn't gone but oh, and it, one of the things he says is that there's no reward. There's no, uh, uh, ne- neither have they any more reward. Uh, I just think about the thief on the cross. Remember the one that repented? They were both railing on Jesus and then one changed his mind and said, hey, basically he's saying we deserve this punishment, uh, but he's an innocent man. And he turns to Jesus uh, and he says, Lord, uh, he calls on uh, a Lord and he says, when you entered your kingdom, uh, would you remember me? And that takes a lot of faith for one dying man to look at another dying man and call him Lord and say, hey, when you raise from the dead, will you remember me? And I love how Jesus said, Jesus Christ said that same day he would be with him in paradise. Guess what that tells me? Uh, there was a reward for the one that repented and put his faith in Jesus Christ. So we're starting to... Again, uh, from verses 1 to 5, we're poking holes in a lot of this. I'm going to skip over verse 6, but look what starts uh, after you cover those six verses. If all of those things are true, then what happens? Verse
Verse 7, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments uh, be always white. Let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of thy vanity. And we can just go on and on. In verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. See, if verses 1 through 6 are true, then once you get to 7 through 10, he's saying, hey, you've got to live this life to the fullest. Right? That's what he's saying. Eat, drink your wine, be, have a merry heart, always have the best garments, the best clothes, don't withhold anything, you know, let not, uh, let thy head lack no ointment, uh, you know, spare no expense for yourself, live joyfully, then you get to verse 10, whatever you want to do, whatever work you're, whatever hobby, whatever sport, whatever thing you're doing, do it with all your might. That's what he's saying. And I stopped and thought about that. Isn't this the motto of the world today? Isn't verses 7 through 10 exactly what this world is saying? Hey, because this life is the only life right there. There's nothing else after this. There's no reward after this. Uh, Your memory is gone. Everything ends. So you better enjoy every moment of this life. You better uh, be, you better, uh, you know, just take life by the the horns and you just uh, better live it for the best life and everything else. And we could just go on and on this is what the world's doing trying to trying to live uh, this life as if there's nothing else it's their motto today and unfortunately you know what the rest of their motto is the end of verse 7 for God now accepteth thy works Aren't we seeing that today? No matter how you want to live, no matter what you want to believe, no matter what, uh, uh, if you want to be moral or immoral or whatever you want to accept today, they are saying God accepts it all. God accepts it all. If you just drink your wine and be merry, God accepts it as long as you do uh, work as hard as you can. God accepts uh, uh, everything else. Uh, live joyfully with a wife whom thou lovest. If you decide you don't love her, get another one, right? Uh, they think God accepts all these things. He doesn't. He doesn't. You live life to the fullest. You do what you want. You work hard. You play hard. You give yourself the best things. You experience life because once you die, everything ends. And God is fine with every bit of it. And you know what? We could go through verses 7 to 10 tonight. And we could just go scripture after scripture. Why? Saying that all these things are false. But I think you don't need me to do that. I think there are. I think you know enough scripture yourselves. That you can refute verses 7 through 10. It's not a problem. But here's the problem. They are living. This world is living. Verses 7 through 10. Because they think 1 through 6 are true. That's the problem. And you're thinking, well, Mike, what do we do with that problem? What, what do we do? Because they're living, uh, uh, they're living a vain life. They don't even realize it. Our job is to give them the truth. That is the only thing that, that contradicts deception. That's the only thing that contradicts lies is the truth. Yes, death comes to all. But what happens after this life is more important than what happens in this short life. The devil has this world convinced and deceived that this life that the Bible 
Bible says is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away, that this is the most important part. And you think about eternity, uh, whatever measurement you want. If we were to have a string from that end to this end, and we were trying to uh, show eternity, and this life would only be just a teeny little bit uh, of the beginning of the string, and then the eternity would be the rest of it. The devil's still trying to, uh, to convince us that that teeny little part is more important than the entire thing. And it's not true. We need to give them the truth. We need to let them know that there is a reward. There is a punishment. We can know that we're saved. We can know whether God accepts our lifestyle. We can trade in our evil heart and get a new heart in the mind of Christ. We can do these things. And not only that, we can enjoy eternal fellowship with Jesus Christ after this life. And aren't you glad? We know, we know that for the rich man in hell, uh, he uh, his memory was with him the whole time. Aren't you glad that our memory will be with us in heaven as well? Why? How do we know that? Because it says we'll be known as we're known. Uh, we will remember one another. And that's a blessing to think about. I, I think about all the time that we'll be able to spend uh, praising God and, and reminiscing with one another. Do you remember that time when we were hit with this and we prayed together and God made a way? Wasn't that a wonderful time? We can reminisce about those things. I believe we will. We can enjoy these things. And most importantly... We can tell this world the truth that you can spend your entire life working so hard and diligently on something in this world and you can live uh, or you can work hard to accomplish it. But as soon as you die, it'll be gone. And, and one day this world will be destroyed. Things will be forgotten. The moth will eat it. The rust will corrupt it and everything else. But aren't you glad anything that we do for Jesus Christ will never be forgotten? He is not unrighteous that he would forget our works. He, he will not forget anything. He is saved up every tear in a bottle. You think he's going to forget anything we've done for him? No. And when we live a life of obedience, that will last forever. See, this world's trying to make a name for themselves. I heard it the other day. What are you going to do to make sure that you have a legacy on this earth? I'm thinking, if there's any legacy, I hope it's that I'm attached to Jesus Christ. That's the legacy that I want in this world because they'll forget my name. But as long as they have Jesus, they'll never forget his name. Here's the thing. We need to spread the truth about the Bible. Why? Because the Bible tells who God really is. Not who they think he is. The Bible tells us uh, what Jesus really did. And not what they've invented. And, and it will tell them what he'll do for them today. If they would just believe and call on his name for forgiveness of sins. But the sad thing is the devil's deception still works, doesn't it? Right? Solomon was trying. He spent a life living out the first 10 verses of this. He spent that and he fell for the deception. Even having all of that wisdom, even seeing what God did uh, with him in his life in the early part of his kingdom, seeing all of that, he thought he could live his life to the fullest and find satisfaction, but he never did. Over and over again, he says it's vanity. But you know what's a blessing? You go to the very end of this book. The last two chapters of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 or I'm sorry the last two verses of chapter 12 the very end of the book says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man 
For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You can argue how Solomon ended his life. You can argue whether he repented or not. You can argue his standing with God. You can argue all these things. But I'll tell you one thing. He spent a whole lifetime experimenting with what the world says is the best life. And remember, he had uh, all the money, right? He had all the money. He had all the resources. He could do what nobody else could have done in a lifetime. And in the end, he said it was all vain. It was empty. It was temporary. It was unsatisfying. And then he gets to the very end and he says, you know what? Once I've concluded the whole test of my life, here's the thing. Don't follow it. Don't do what I did. Instead, fear God and keep his commandments. Right? That's what he says. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. Right? They said at the, when you die, that's it. That's a lie. With every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, I'm glad that we serve a God and that we don't just have hope in this life only because the Bible says we'd be men most miserable. I'm glad we have the real hope of eternal life. But not only that, I'm glad we've got a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. We're a child of God right now. Eternal life starts right now. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to chase after the pleasures of this world. Because if you think, if you really, really live that way, you know, if you live through 7 through 10, yeah, it might sound fun for a while, but think about 1 through 6. 1 through 6 is what goes through their mind whenever this world is forced to contemplate death. They don't like it. They don't like it because there's no hope there. There's no hope. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand tonight. Someone's telling us things that are against the Bible. What he's telling us is what this world is following. Here's what they believe. So he's given us their playbook, what's going on in their head, in just a few short verses. But guess what? We can give them the truth. So whatever they're stuck on at that moment, whatever they're trying to tell you, whatever advice they're trying to give, maybe they're trying to say, hey, just eat, drink, and be merry. It's right there. You can tell them, for tomorrow we'll die. You can say, hey, wait a second. Even if you die tomorrow, you're going to have to stand before Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right? You can just keep going on. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Well, that's good if you're doing God's will. But it's not good if you're doing your own. Because I've heard people say, well, we're really dedicated. Well, dedicated to what? I'm glad we have a God that gives us the truth. We're going to open up the altar tonight. If you need to pray about anything.